You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 188. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, this episode, I'm almost, I almost feel a little bit awkward having video for this episode. I think the subject matter, like I almost want it to be audio only so I can hide my face. But here we are in, in person doing you this. You have nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm ashamed of something, but it's, uh, it's the, the, the thoughts in this episode and maybe even the like, um, partially the emotions, but also like trying to de- uh, reach deep into my memory banks in this episode might require me to like scrunch up my face a little bit more than normal. And also I often see this episode as us laughing and having a good time. Maybe we'll get to do that a little bit uh, on this episode, but you know, it's the nine 11 episode. So I don't know how much of that we're going to do. Um, so listen, uh, it's been 20 years since nine 11. Uh, I'm not very good at dramatizing things. I'm not going to give you a play by play. I don't want to make a huge political statement here. I'm not good at doing a memorial. Uh, other people are good at that. And also you're going to see on the TV over and over again, all sorts of documentaries and stuff. But I did want to talk about it because it's an important event in, um, well, in, in it's an important event in, in, in history, but also like in our lives. And so I think it's important to mark 20 years. And, and I thought we can combine some like personal recollections with a little bit of research as well to try to explain to people who maybe are under 25 what going through that was like, maybe to explain to future generations what going through that was like. They have tons of stuff on what going through that was like, but hey, like, you know, the personal perspective and you know, where we grew up, what our recollections were, um, might be a little bit different than the stuff that you're going to get, uh, you know, in, 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 most dramatization. So I thought that might be yeah. well, a worthwhile a, thing to do. Absolutely. And, and a lot of people have, have made the comment that, you know, after, after 9-11, you know, start, everything was different uh, starting on September 12th, that, that it was a different world. Uh, it was a, a dividing line for, for our lives that for our generation, it was, was maybe like uh, in a, the equivalent of the Kennedy assassination. Sure. Uh, and, and so we're going to try and unpack that a little bit and, and give some, some clarity to what that everything was different really means because uh, because that's right that's uh, it's an easy thing to say but a, a little bit harder to really understand one of the things that we cover on this show which I wasn't really uh, expecting to cover when we started but n- now it seems inevitable now that we do it is sort of thinking about change um, just changes in the world and how to uh, anticipate them and how to think about them. So we've actually gotten pretty good at that. So we can cover some of that. Um, now, 20 years is a long time. So let's, I want to start by taking us back only 10 years. Um, and just remember the day that bin Laden was finally captured and killed by seal seal team six. So already 10 years, is a different world. 10 years ago. Uh, it's hard do you to re- believe that was a full decade ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you remember that? Because there's pretty, there's interesting video on YouTube that I just don't think would happen today at a baseball game like the Mets and the Phillies uh, where, you know, this was happening on the news and they put it up on the screen and people shouting like USA, USA, you know, after basically 10 years of a manhunt for a single person, basically, the, you know, most you know, the, 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 the number one terrorist in the world. And, um, 
I have a few memories. So that was when Foursquare was getting started up. That was when Foursquare was hitting its inflection point. I did not work there yet. But I remember that Foursquare users created a venue down at the World Trade Center called Osama Bin Ghanathan, and everybody was uh, checking into that. Uh, and uh, there were like party, random parties on the streets of New York. I don't know if, if you remember this. I, I, I don't remember that specifically. Um, my, my only distinct memory from that uh, was the uh, not quite literal but figurative mic drop speech that Obama made when he announced it. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, it sticks in my memory, but, uh, it's, it's in retrospect, it seems like a weird thing to, to celebrate the, uh, the death of a person. Yeah, yeah it and, really well, does. And, and a, 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 even if it's a loaded term, but ostensibly the assassination of, of an individual, right. Um, not, not that he didn't have it coming, but, uh, you know, we didn't capture him and put him on trial. Uh, they, they didn't, they didn't try to, to exfiltrate him. Uh, they, and and maybe maybe that was the mission. I haven't done a lot of of, of detailed reading up on that, but it, it seemed like that was extremely low priority uh, in terms of what they went there to do. Um, yeah. So I mean, and and it's crazy that that was ten years ago. So now we're almost as far as that as that was from nine eleven itself. Yeah. Which um, you know might be. A, a little bit of a way to explain some of the events, uh, you know, happening more recently. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, maybe I'll throw that out there. <laughs> so, all right, we went to 2011. That doesn't happen. That that crazy situation uh, doesn't happen uh, unless 9/11 happens. So let's rewind and let's talk about, you know, what was life like in America pre-11? I have so many things I could talk about on this. Um, so I kind of racked my brain a little bit. Uh, maybe I can go through my list. You can react. Uh, but, um, so in terms of technology, uh, you know, so we, we just had broadband internet that was like brand new. Uh, people were getting it in their homes. We'd had it at the universities and the schools for a while. We just had like Wikipedia. We just had, so like, it wasn't like you can go on Twitter and break news on Twitter, but there were definitely lots of journalists out there. And, um, you know, different that, that would break news on the internet pretty fast. And email was kind of the, uh, email was kind of the, the Twitter of its day because we, we you'd be on these long lists and people were sending jokes back and forth and oh, yeah, all, all the chain emails. Yeah we, yeah. we weren't yet in peak blogging, but, but it was, it was kind of the, the precursors to that. Well, blogging was a big deal, uh, during the sec, like the, the Clinton scandals and all that. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was just getting going, and there, like, the internet was brand new. Like when that was happening, you have to like, uh, you know, call <laughs> to get online. So really, that's how new it is. Like that was it was it was probably a lot of people. It's I don't know. I think I was still on broadband at that point, or, or on um, dial-up. dial-up at that. I'm point. trying to remember when I'm we trying to remember when we got uh, yeah when we replaced the dial-up in our home. And it, it might have been it, it must have happened in in. At some point in high school, but I couldn't put my finger on when. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it w- but you can go online in the library and in, in the school very fast. And I know that sound. I know people who are, are, are who, who don't remember this might be like, wait, what? Like, why would you? that sounds crazy? But it was actually kind of easy. I don't know. It felt kind of easy at the time uh, to do it. It didn't feel like a pain at all. But there weren't that many websites to check, so you didn't really have to do that much when you went on it. You just check your email and. Uh, I don't know, a few chat rooms, news stories at the time. Um, 
okay, the millennium Y2K bug, that was always a big joke to me. Like some people say, oh, people really thought the world was going to end. I always, like even in the 98, 99, I always interpreted that as a big joke. I don't know what you remember of that, but. I, I the, think there was some legitimate concern about certain yeah. systems crashing. I'm just uh, saying what I was. End of the world <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is, is was definitely hyperbole, but uh, I mean, I, I was I was watching with uh, anticipation and curiosity. Like, is is something going to happen? What's it going to be? I wasn't, you know, hunkered down in the basement with uh, cans of soup and and lots of D batteries. You know, it, I have an amazing home video of that night that I took with with me and my cousins on uh, you know celebrating the millennium. And we had we put we we uh, we blew up like hundred balloons and put it in one room so we can like kick them around. And, you know, I had the camcorder and, um, like we did a little, uh, we did a little pretend thing. I mean, I know maybe I'm a little too old for pretend. I was like 15 at the time. No, but we did a, we did, <laughs> we did a whole thing where we were like, you know, uh, simulating a terrorist attack because that was actually something that people talked about a lot at the time. There were a lot of terrorist attacks that had been thwarted. Um, there, and there were a lot that were successful. There was the 1993 bombing of uh, the World Trade Center. There was the Oklahoma City bombing, and and there were school shootings, just like today. So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole. It had to do with something. Someone was in the bathroom, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let some of that be private stuff. But uh, <laughs> let, let's um, um, uh, you know involve poison gas. But let's not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, there, it it. it um, it, it was kind of a big joke. Well, one of the other things you have here in the notes is uh, is cell phones, which and I, I can't for the life of me remember when I got my first cell yeah, phone. It I may have not have my... been until I got to college, but uh, it may have also been been you know like senior yearish. But this, this these these were not smartphones. Uh, these these were barely even dumb phones. They were they were just the side of of uh, uh, of uh, you know Wall Street uh, you know brick size uh, mobile phones. Uh, and and look. I mean, at the Osama bin Ghanathon, 10 years later, people still had uh, dumb phones. Yeah, well, I remember in college, uh, some people, they, they didn't have unlimited texting on their plan. And, and so, you know, they, they'd say, don't, don't include me on your text chain because it costs me a nickel every time someone sends me a text. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, I didn't get it through college, but I feel like cell phones were becoming very common among, like, adults, of yes. which I was not one yet. And, and I think that so. played into uh, some of the, the events of the day. I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here because oh, uh, yeah. the, there were certainly a lot of pe- a lot of adults trying to get a hold of folks. And, and I, I believe the, the, uh, the cellular system was, uh, was overloaded significantly. Right, right. Um, and also people were using cell phones on, again, jumping ahead on Flight 93. Right, yeah. Uh, to call their relatives and also... That's how they found out that this plane was not being hijacked, uh, you know, to be taken to some country and, and negotiated. This plane was being hijacked as a suicide mission. And so, yeah. yeah it, that, it, that, that's another way that this was, was a huge game changer in terms of, of kind of the threat matrix that uh, hijackings were not uh, unusual. Um, and and maybe they they'd gone down in frequency since the the seventies, uh, but but they were kind of a known issue. But uh, the way you dealt with those, it, it was it was a very different nature of threat than uh, what we saw unfold that day. Uh, again, getting getting ahead of myself there. Right, right. So, um, 
getting into pop culture. Now, and on one hand, this could just be it seems this way because, you know, you, you, uh, people often have, uh, you know, uh, positive recollections of their youth. But I honestly don't think I would feel this way if I were in high school in 2021, that pop culture <laughs> and, and the media actually seemed pretty up deep, upbeat at the time in 2000 may, and 2000. Maybe shallow, but... but uh, oh, yeah, absolutely shallow. Uh, but, uh, I mean, when wasn't it shallow? I, yeah, uh, and I don't think it's just nostalgia there. Uh, I mean, wh- where, does, where does this fit in terms of the dot-com boom? Um, just that, before. Oh, yeah. during. During, just before. Um, the, the economy but, was, was chugging along strong. Uh, you know, we, and the like you said, we'd gotten yeah. through the, the Y2K scare with, with no significant uh, issues there. And the dot-com boom affected people in tech, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't the kind of economic... Um, you know, didn't ca- cause the same kind of economic PTSD, for lack of a better term, that that the 2008 housing crash uh, uh, caused. Definitely yeah, well, economic I, PTSD for people in the tech industry. I, I wasn't sure. even thinking about the yeah. the crash that followed the boom, but but yeah. yeah. No, it was like coming off the boom, and it was a real boom in terms. It was also a real boom in terms of applications. Like the internet was a game changer, and it was still so new. Um, that it was, uh, and and this lasted probably until, um, until ten years ago, until you know, <laughs> until basically 2013, 2014, yeah. uh, when the internet started, <laughs> reached its peak and started its downward dive into the depths of despair. I have written down here. I remember the 2000 election really well, um, and it might sound. You know, similar, if you read it in a textbook years from now, it might sound similar to 2020, but it really was not <laughs> living through it. I, it. Looking through it now, it almost, it, it's not, it, it seems like it wasn't really a culture war. The struggle was among politicos. Like, I, I, I picture, like, the people protesting in, like, button-down uh, it, things like it was now. Like, it was it, a big deal at the time. It's like, who's going to get the jobs? And, the, and it was unprecedented. But, yeah. but I'd say it was an order of magnitude less... Uh, Bitter is not the right term for it, but but there there. It also it was a lot like oh this is a very fascinating case. <laughs> yeah, there, there there was a certain element of of this was a a battle between uh between between gentlemen uh that that there was a certain even though they may have uh, disliked each other personally or or opposed each other politically there was a certain amount of respect uh, among all the parties uh, which. Did not exist in in, in the, our last two presidential elections. I'd sure, say. sure. Um, yep. So so that was going on. I uh, I went ahead and looked up some of the top forty music that was playing on the radio. I saw some uh, J Lo, Mary J Blige, and TLC. I, 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 I know that those are names of artists, but uh, I th- I'd say there's at least a seventy percent chance that I would not have known that. Uh, I would in two thousand one. I'm into uh, yeah. I was into that. So, yeah, I, I I was I was pretty impressed. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that happened. Um, no, but also like I you know that was Britney Spears was coming up and uh, Eminem and uh, and Christina Aguilera and all that. Uh, so it was well, I guess Eminem is kind of more. I feel like he's more of the two thousands, a little more downcast type of situation. Mm. But yeah, uh, but. Um, but you had that. Um, okay, now people say, well, airports before 9-11. And this one is a little bit puzzling to me because 
I flew a few times before 9-11, and I don't remember that big of a difference in security, but it could have been because I wasn't really trying to get through, and I wasn't trying to big, bring, like, a big bag of food through or whatever, but you could definitely get more through security then. You still had to go through the metal detector and put your bags through a thingy-mabob, and that's kind of the thing that I do now. Um, but now I have uh, I have uh, TSA pre-approved, so... Maybe that got me kind of back to where it was. I'm sure if I go, if now you still have to take off your shoes, and if you're not, so um, well, I, I I have a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, and and I I don't know that I'd done any any air travel uh, pre 9/11 that I can remember. I mean, there was a trip to Florida when I was like two that I have absolutely no memory yeah. of. But but I don't have any any uh, distinct memories of air travel. Uh, but Hold, you went on the middle school trip to Washington D.C. right? Did did we fly for that? We I did. can't even remember. We did fly. Well, yeah, it shows shows how crisp that is in my mind. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I, I think the the uh, the pop culture reference that goes along with that is you had so many uh, romantic comedies where right. uh, somebody's love interest is is going away to college or for a big job in another city. That was the end of Friends, and and, and they have to run through the airport to tell them, "Don't go, don't go. I choose right. you." And, and that that. That was something that you, you could actually go to the gate uh, for in an airport when you didn't have a ticket to get on that plane. Yeah, and may, maybe you had to you know go through the metal detector, but uh, that that's that's something that just doesn't even make sense in the current context. It's yeah, it's it's like seeing uh, you know movies from the nineties and and or or, or you know pre nineties and people today saying, well, "Where's everybody's cell phone? Why why yeah why why do they why are they what, well you why know are they going it takes in that place small in... glass box <laughs> to call somebody." Yeah. Well, I mean, th- that almost reminds me, I didn't even have this written down in the notes, but do you remember the movie Meet the Parents? Yep. So like at the end, he gets on the plane and he gets into a fight with the um, with the stewardess and he says, the, he says bomb and they're like, can't say bomb on an airplane. He's like, I'm not going to, I said, I'm not going to bomb. <laughs> and, uh, and they take him out. So that was very, uh, that was almost... Um, that was kind of too on the mark because that was 1999. Mm. Uh, and so, and then, you know, they take him out and then it turns well, out like, it's actually Rob, Robert De Niro. Like character. I said before, the, uh, you know, the hijacking threats were a very different beast back then. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe there was a bomb on an airplane, uh, but, but it, it was usually because that's the threat to get you to do this other thing that I want you to do, which was usually like fly me to Cuba or, you know, fly me to Libya or or wherever the the place you know that they, that you wanted to to escape to, right? That was that was beyond the jurisdiction of of the Western power you were currently in, right? right. Uh, and 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 the playbook was usually you know just do do what they say, uh, and and you know air, you know let n- there there were subtle ways of notifying air traffic control that you were experiencing hijacking, and and they would do things on the ground, but you know there there was no. No concept of they're going to crash this thing into the ground and, I, I actually, and that all the lives are, you know, right. it's, it's, it was, it was very much like uh, bank robberies that, you know, if, if you, if you do what they say, uh, then nobody's going to get hurt and, and everything's insured and it'll turn out fine. And I actually don't remember any specific hijackings that occurred in our lifetime before that. I know some occurred in the seventies. Yeah. I'd, I'd that... say it was going out of style as, as a common activity. But I, I haven't looked up what the stats are and how frequently it actually did happen in the '90s. Right, right. Okay, so I had. Oh, so there was there was one other yeah. thing I wanted to mention about about airports. So um, 
I, I was not a stellar Spanish student, um, but but I, I did take Spanish in high school. And uh, if if you were uh, more dedicated to uh, your foreign language than I was, uh, there was an opportunity. I, th I think it was over spring break. Uh, students could go on a, a trip to Spain with one of the teachers. And one of the things that uh, that invariably almost all of the, the, the boys who went on this trip would do is they would purchase uh, a sword in Spain. Um, I, I don't know if they actually went to Toledo, the city that's famous for manufacture of swords, um, but, but they would purchase a, a sword in Spain. Uh, and, and in this pre-9-11 world, uh, yes, you would, you would have to, you, you could bring it through security. You probably had to like so that's hand crazy. It. You could just bring a sword through security. It, you know, it was it was it was in his package, and you would hand it to the, you know the, whoever the the security person was, and they you know check it and, and say, okay, yep, that that's a sword, and then they hand it back to you when you walk through the metal detector, and then when you boarded the airplane, uh, you would hand it to the you know the the flight attendant or, or the the chief steward or whoever, and they'd say, okay, uh, we're going to put this up in the cockpit with the pilot, and you can get it when you uh, when you disembark, uh, and that's just so bizarre uh, in the context that we're in now with armored cockpits, and and you know once that door closes, it'll never be open again. That reminds me, I got in trouble with a sword at TSA once in 2016. Did I ever tell you about this? I don't know if I've heard this Okay. Story. Well, no. So I was in Africa, uh, in West Africa, in, in Ghana in 2016. And before I left, you know, they were, they were trying to sell stuff to us. And someone's like, buy this sword. I'm like, oh, you know, it's pretty cool to have a sword, but uh, I don't think I can get it through security. He's like, oh, no, it's not a problem. Just put it in your check bag. Just put it in your check bag. So I... Uh, well, yeah, yes, I forgot to put it in my check bag. <laughs> so, so it was in my backpack. And the security in Ghana wasn't really, uh, didn't catch that. So I went on that 10-hour flight all the way from Ghana to D.C. Then I was, I didn't sleep a, a bit on that flight. So I was just del completely delirious. I had a long um, bus ride from like, what was, what's one of the D.C. airports to like what Reagan Airport? Yeah, there's there's Reagan and... Dulles, I think? Uh, yeah, Dulles is the other one okay. right in D.C. I there. had to like, I had to take a, a, a shuttle and it, with all my bags and it was just, it, it, it was just, it took forever. And then I finally got to like Reagan Airport and it was like, I don't know, maybe like seven in the morning and you no, know, and like I try to go through security and <laughs> they flag me <laughs> and like, I couldn't go through several times and... Um, the guy was like very nervous when he was opening my bag and he said, do you have any weapons in here? I'm like, no, no, I don't have any weapons. It's all cool. Just check whatever you need. And he's like, if I put my hand in here, is something going to hurt me? <laughs> I'm like, no, just get, just look through my stuff. Let me go. So, and then he pulls out a sword <laughs> and they're like, uh, sir, what is this? And I said, it's, uh, it's an Ashanti warrior sword. And they said, well, you can't take an Ashanti warrior sword on the plane with you. So um, fortunately, I was able to check the bag. I didn't get arrested and stuff because I would not have been, um, I, you know, when you're up for 48 hours, I don't know how I, I would have been under questioning. I don't think I would have remembered to um, not submit to questioning uh, but because <laughs> it was a domestic flight still because I already went through. Right. It was a separate flight. It wasn't even a, you know, I, I set it up one of those things where it wasn't even a connecting flight. I set, set it up as a separate flight. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that would not that, have been a good time. No, so it wasn't a border crossing. So, but yeah, yeah, no, they, they, let me, uh, they let me go. But I could have gotten, uh, gotten in big trouble for that. Um, yeah, I guess the, but, the, other, the other airplane But it thing. was not a very dangerous sword. I mean, 
Maybe it was. I don't know. I just don't know how to use it. You you don't sound very convincing with with the words in that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, but it's not a dangerous sword. (laughs) I mean, there's 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 the uh, the stereotypical story of you know uh, young child on an airplane for the first time, uh, and and the the flight attendant asks, oh, do do you want to come up to the to the cockpit and Mm -hmm. and and and, uh, and and see what it's like, and you know the the pilot will show you around during the flights that. No way that happens anymore. They still do that before flight sometimes. So, so that's that's good to know. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but yeah. If you, if, if you get your kids on like a small plane, they might be able to do that pre-flight. I'll, I'll have to uh, remember that, that next time we're flying with yeah, the kids. Yeah. Um, yep, just knock on the cockpit door and be like, <laughs> let us in. No, it's, no, it's usually open before, before the flight. Um, so I actually had two big flights that year. So I... I went on the school trip to France, and unlike the Spain trip, you didn't have to be a very good French student to go. <laughs> so I went to France. Uh, I actually liked the trip to France. Uh, I didn't know too much French. Uh, or, well, I mean, I, knew, I took French, so I guess I knew some French, but, you know, not enough to get around. Um, so there was that uh, airport thing, and, and there, I remember a lot of security. I mean, it was still a hassle to go to the airport. It was still a hassle doing an international flight back then. And then my second flight was to Michigan. Uh, I, I went on a, and so this would already be in August of 2001. I was about to say 2011. August of 2001. Uh, I went to the uh, a program in the University of Michigan. It was, it was uh, let's, let's call it math camp. It was a, a, a two-week thing where you learn about uh, uh, the concept of infinity from a math professor at the University of Michigan, some of which I've actually shared on this program, some of the same things that, that we, we went over there 20 years ago, which is hard to believe. Um, and when I went back, uh, I actually struck up a conversation with the person sitting next to me, which is, now that I think about it, it would have been pretty rare for me it would be pretty rare for me now and would be like uh, very rare for me at uh, age 17. Uh, so it turned out that the guy next to me was uh, you know, a Muslim guy, was a student, uh, you know, and he literally had a, like a book about you know, Islam that he was reading. And we were talking. And um, I remember on the way in, I was just showing him because I'm very good at like maps and stuff. And I was showing him all the sites in New York. And I remember saying like, oh, look, there's the World Trade Center. There's the there's the Twin Towers. Um, so that I mean, I mean, I don't know if I want to give that story, but that that's just that, that's just something that I really remember very mm-hmm. well because that was just right before. Uh, so then later on in the summer, I went to I think they think I was from Morocco, by the way. Um, so that, that's, that was just, that was really interesting. Uh, so then I took a trip to New York city before nine 11 as well. I think it was coming in and out from one of the college trips. You probably remember this. You go on all this. Oh, yeah. We went on one together. Uh, it was a college I never applied to, but, uh, uh do you remember what that was? I, I do not. What, do, do you, do you remember what state it was in? Williams, Massachusetts. Was uh, it not okay. Massachusetts? Yeah. I, I, I definitely visited Williams at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was with me. Uh, or I guess I tagged along, I guess. I don't... <laughs> did you apply? I don't think I applied. I, I think I did. Uh, right. the, I, I applied to at least a dozen schools. Oh, okay, and, okay. and this is, like like you said, like 20 years ago. Yeah. That was like my... Um, my uh, uh, I, so I, anyway, I think I was in New York City for a college trip. And at the time, my uh, my grandparents hadn't moved to New York City 
yet, but my uncle has, was in the same building that they would be in. So I was in that building and in the pool. Um, and uh, you could see the Twin Towers very well in the, in the distance, just like now you could see the, the World Trade Center in the mm. distance. And so, and no, you know what? I, so that would have been, I don't, that was sometime that summer I was there. Another thing during that summer was, it, it wasn't like in New York City, but I was crossing Canal Street. Um, and, um, like it might've been one of these trips where it was like, okay, we, for some reason have to take the Brooklyn bridge. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense now that I think about it. You have to take like the Brooklyn bridge, the Holland tunnel and cross canal street. Like I've done that before, but I don't remember why we were doing it. Hmm. So maybe we were visiting people on Long Island and then we're going directly to uh, a college and like, um, uh, like either in New Jersey, Pennsylvania or something like that. That probably makes a lot more sense. Um, so, and, and I think right there, you pass right by the World Trade Center site. Maybe not right by, but pretty darn close. Like Canal Street is not, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's maybe like a quarter mile away or so. It's like, you know, five blocks or 10 blocks. But uh, it's, uh, it's it, it was like, right, like I remember looking up and seeing them above me, not, in the horizon. So, and this must have been two, three weeks before 9 11. Oh. Yeah. So, I'm going to go into post 9 11 afterward. We have some things written here that's like post 9 11 stuff. I'm going to, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce that out until afterwards. Okay. Okay. So, um, first of all, I want to go to uh, a UN document. Uh, that, oh, okay. Yeah. Not just a UN document, but a whole UN trip. So you remember this trip that we, oh my God. So I, I found this in my parents' basement. We actually were given this pamphlet, this exact pamphlet. And this is how I wrote my name, uh, back in, uh, 2001. Why were we on, why did we go to the UN? Do you remember that? And why were there so few people? Like who got to go? So, so we went, I, I think this was our, our AP US history class right mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah i think so I, I i think mrs bennett was was the uh the orchestrator of this yeah uh i i don't know if we applied for it or if if, if yeah like, like she she selected her her most promising <laughs> students and asked if we were interested but but yeah we, it was it was a a were there like maybe a dozen of us who went something like yeah, that yeah um, it was fun. So it, it, I guess it was something run by the the United Nations International School, which yeah, uh, I had never heard of at the I, time. I assume that that's you know if 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 you are a a UN delegate or on the UN staff, uh, then then when you move to Manhattan to to work there, your kids go to the school um, rather than going to the New York City public school system. Um, but uh, so so it, it's it's a very international group, uh, and and they were inviting. Uh, groups from schools around the country to come in for, for this, uh, kind of, I, I think it was an annual event that they do. Um, and it, it, I did not ever do quote unquote model UN, but my impression was this yeah, was kind of like model UN on steroids. Um, yeah. with, with the, I, I thought the, the coolest part of the whole trip was that we, we actually got to sit on the floor of the general assembly. Yeah. You got and, to sit at a country. I don't remember what country we sat at, I, but I, yeah. I think it was one of the African nations, but yeah, yeah. my, 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 but but you, you saw there there were little microphones and the buttons for voting there and and we got to you know I speak felt, on the floor yes. of the 
the yeah, it was like a giant classroom. Assembly. Now I kind of felt out of place. I kind of felt like our little delegation was a little out of place there. Did you? Like I felt like there were all these like UN school people who were on a whole different level of like they were basically kids of diplomats and stuff. There was some of that, and 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 maybe part of it was that you know, folks from the other schools who who were there were involved in model UN type stuff, and okay. so they were a lot more steeped in in this this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this was a, a was back very I, new experience. That was back when I was kind of like impressed by that stuff, and then uh, <laughs> that I think after I went to Yale, I was like, okay, I don't need to be impressed anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay, so I, I I found the trip to be eye opening. Probably not eye-opening in the way that they intended. I sort mm. of feel like some of the speeches were like, oh, my God, some of this UN stuff is a little cultish, uh, especially the, st- st- the speech by Harry Belafonte. I was going to say, that's, that's the only name I remember from the yeah. day. So he's like, it's like, oh, wow, this guy has a famous song about bananas. And now he's telling us that we need the global government. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I, I, so, I was impressed because it, it enabled me to name drop him. But yeah, uh, I, I, I think I had a, a similar reaction to the actual content of his speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and what's interesting, if I go through this booklet today, it's like all of the problems that they list, like most of them are still problems. We haven't, it's been an, another 20 years. They haven't solved most of them. Well, yeah, uh, we, we maybe don't, one or two. we don't have the time on this episode some to of them get have into got, our, no, our no, no. deeper thoughts on the UN as an organization, but some of the problems have gotten worse. I, I, I would say that, uh, not having solved any of the problems that we were facing 20 <laughs> years ago is very on brand for the United Nations. <laughs> could have guessed, could have guessed. Um, okay. So. Uh, there's actually one of the most interesting things about this is that there's a huge section on Afghanistan, which was in the news then. It was in the news a few months later, um, and it was and it's in the news today. Um, and it's the news coming out of Afghanistan is not much different. Yeah, there's, uh, there's so, definitely some deja vu there. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's actually two sections on Afghanistan. The first, and they they seem like they're written by different authors, but the first kind of urges a peace deal between the Taliban and the Northern Alliance. They were having a bit of a civil war there at the time, which uh, I think they are still. Uh, And that section was like not as negative toward the Taliban. It was probably a little bit more trying to be more objective, but not as negative towards the Taliban as a U.S. publication would be. Um, It was was very much, I mean, not not that this publication was being sent to Taliban officials, but oh, but it was kids. written from the perspective of someone who very much wanted to bring them to the negotiating table, not to to yeah. shame them and drive them away. But it's also like written for kids, written right. for like for like teens. Um, so they uh, did say that uh, you know the Taliban is accused of harboring all these drug lords and terrorists, but the focus was really on the drug lords. The focus was on the drug trade. Yeah, uh, which which is interesting, and, and and it's possible that at the time that was written, uh, they they didn't have all the all the stats on this yet. Um, but uh, I think it was the 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 year before that. Uh, so in in two thousand, uh, the Taliban had actually uh, put in a, a a ban on on uh, the farming of opium poppies, um, and. Uh, Stats that we have access to now, which, which, like I said, may have, may have been collected later on, uh, showed that there was actually a 99% reduction in, in the uh, cultivation of opium poppies. And it was uh, heralded uh, as, as perhaps the most effective anti-drug campaign ever 
Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the Taliban can crack some skulls there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at, at the at the time, uh, there was. They, I, I think they may have mentioned that that the Taliban has claimed that they're cracking down on this, but there was a lot of uh, skepticism. It was it was very much a okay, yeah, we'll we'll believe it when we see it kind of attitude. Um, yeah. Because I I think the the Taliban had uh, they. They have a history of of promising things and saying that they're going to do things a certain way, and then not necessarily shaking out that way on the ground. So, uh, it it wasn't uh, unreasonable skepticism there. Uh, but but right. it's an interesting uh, factoid that that they they drove down the production on on uh, poppies for opium so dramatically. Uh, and and the the depressing uh, follow up to that is that uh, and and then the Taliban was kicked out, and in two thousand two, uh, opium production uh, shot right back up to its sure. its pre-ban levels sure and and is uh in a similar uh area today in fact i think i think there may be more uh opium coming out of afghanistan today than there was in the uh the pre-2000 period that's surprising we haven't heard about the taliban's new opium policy uh, I, I think it is i think they're still uh anti-opium uh, production but hmm. but i don't know that that cracking down on that has been a priority of the new administration there. Mm, yeah. Uh, Remains to be seen. I don't know. Um, yeah. So they talk a lot about the opium trade. They don't, they say, yeah, there's some terrorists. They don't mention bin Laden. They don't mention uh, Al Qaeda or anything like that. Uh, there's also, then there's the second section is on the women in Afghanistan. And here this is written, you know, the Taliban really sounds uh, quite brutal here. Uh, and on, on some of the things they're doing, I don't want to get into the specifics uh, mainly because I don't remember exactly how it was written, but it wasn't just like, you know, um, you know, it was, it, there's, it was there's a lot of, of real oppression there. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not talking about, uh, the, the, the gender, uh, pay gap <laughs> no, no. Uh, being the issue. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, uh okay. Well, uh, again, a okay, lot of the I same things that we're concerned about happening today in, in the new Taliban, uh, administration. I mean, okay, this is not, uh, I'm like thinking, is this relevant to the episode? Do I want to get into the... Here it is. Women in Afghanistan. Um, Amnesty International. Victims of violence. Religious strife. Hostilities. Women have been treated as spoils of war and subjected to rape and other form of torture. So, yeah, this sounds pretty bad. Uh, Okay. So... That was, we weren't like most Americans, completely uh, unexposed, like completely unexposed to uh, what's going on in the rest of the world. Um, I feel like there's yeah, this. I mean, it, it, it wasn't something that was being covered up by any means, but it no. also wasn't something you were hearing about on the news. Right, right, right. So let's talk about uh, what was in the news in the summer of 2001. Uh because this is, we're going to need a lot of water today. And then we're going to wrap up part one, which is going to be about the pre-9-11 world. And part two is going to be, uh, is, is going to be about the actual day, which people should, uh, should, should hang on for. That's, that's why you want to subscribe to this podcast, because this is um, really interesting stuff. So the summer of 2001, that was a very quiet summer. It was a very quiet year. It was after the millennium, after Y2K, after the election. There was not much going on. And there are two stories that I remember from that year. Uh, and uh, they were both very, um, 
Well, I guess the Gary Condit story was not that ridiculous. I mean, here you had a congressman who his intern, 21-year-old intern, went missing. Uh, apparently, they had some sort of relationship. We found out years later that you know she was killed and buried in the park, um, Chandra Levy. And you know we still know what that happened, but it, it's not exactly um, world-changing stuff. And then the, the second story... Which is and, and 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 he really got the the um he really got the media off him uh, when nine eleven happened. So that's um, I, I don't think I well, hesitate to I, call it a silver lining <laughs> for him. I mean, it didn't work. I don't think it worked out for him anyway. Um, okay, so that there was a bunch of news articles that summer about the scary rise in shark attacks. And they called it the Summer of the Shark. I'm going to read this um, uh, from the New York Times archive. The, the, uh, the, the title is, Scientists Say Frenzy Over Shark Attacks is Unwarranted. Uh, and this is the first, the first sentence. is pretty funny. With a summer season framed by a shark attack on a boy in Florida two days after the 4th of July... And the death of a man on Labor Day on the outer banks of North Carolina. The danger from sharks could easily be seen as rising dramatically. That almost sounds like you know, shark attacks. There's one last year, two this year. It's like <laughs> uh, exponential growth. Yeah, don't you know about exponential growth? <laughs> uh, then they go on. This is being seen as the summer of the shark, as Time Magazine puts it in the July 30th cover story, bristling with images of razor-sharp teeth. So this was in all the news fit to print in the New York Times, September 5th, 2001. Uh, <laughs> the reaction there was... It, yeah. Uh, was, was Shark Week a thing back then? Because if so, uh, I think it, sharks I, done got scooped. No, I think Shark Week was kind of a, um, a derivation of this, mm. one of its descendants of this uh, shark uh, scariness. Because then we had the Sharknado movies... And um, I, I have still yet no, to actually watch one of those. I've I've watched one of them. Uh, it is it's quite an experience. Maybe I'll have <laughs> you over here. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do a watching. It, it is quite an experience. Um, okay, so we're gonna get. Um, let's okay before we get to the day before nine eleven. Ah, yes, movies that seem to foreshadow nine eleven. People forget about this, but the the World Trade Center in particular, the Pentagon too. But also the World Trade Center was featured in like a lot of movies and pop culture before 9-11. Even a lot of like symbols of the city, you'd see the Twin Towers as like their their silhouette being like a symbol of New York City. Right right up there with the Empire State Building. Yeah, probably still should be. Um, But I have written down some things I remember. There's the the Mario Brothers movie, which um, was not taken well by critics. Uh, but, but that's 1990. I'm sure I saw it on TV and I loved it. <laughs> but uh, it was in 1993, and they actually had, you know, a, a scene where, you know, the the kind of World Trade Center goes from lovely day to like uh, kind of desolate and like half destroyed in an instant. Like when you know the bad guy almost snaps his finger, almost like a Thanos snap, but not quite that. Um, they, they were in Back to the Future too, uh, because you know that that was about the wild and wacky future world of 2015, where you could have a window and that window could show whatever you want. And one of the options was a view of the World Trade Center. Um, Independence Day. Uh, not only did it have 
the World Trade Center getting destroyed by the aliens and the scene where they're blowing up, but also it has 9-11 on the clock of how much time the, the president has left, uh, 9 minutes and 11 seconds, as he gets on his plane to uh, escape D.C. Um, the Simpsons had something, I don't know what, but I feel like the Simpsons have just done everything that no matter what happens, they've predicted it. Um, there was the Spider-Man trailer that you, you remember. Why don't you talk, talk about that? Right, yeah. So I, I, I don't remember this at the time, but I remember hearing about it afterwards. That uh, the, So the Spider-Man movie didn't come out until until 2002. This was the, the, the first one with Tobey Maguire. Uh, and uh, the, the trailer they dropped, I, I think it was on like September 8th. Um, the, so trailer for the movie coming out, you know, next, next spring. Uh, and, and it, it had a shot that involved, uh, the world, the world trade towers, uh, the world trade center towers. And, uh, I, I believe the original version of the film actually had the, the finale battle between, uh, Spider-Man and, and, and the villain. Willem uh, Dafoe, the, uh, green yeah, goblin. I, I think yeah. it took place on or, or around the trade centers. And, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a meme going around from him right now. that's very popular. <laughs> if I can, you know, the one where he's like, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Y- yes. Seen, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but so that movie is very influential. So sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah. And so, uh, the, I, I, I believe so, uh, two days after the, uh, the towers went down, they did pull that trailer, uh, and, and, and locked it back up into the vault. Uh, and I believe they had to completely re refilm, you know, reshoot, recut the uh, the finale scene, redo the special effects, uh, so that the World Trade Center uh, twin towers do do not appear in the movie. Right. Uh, since that that would very much have been uh, too soon. And also, like it showed um, the the clip you showed me, it had you know he 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 built a web between the two towers, and it had you know a helicopter, but an aircraft caught in that right. web. So. Uh, that was pretty too too close, dead on. Another one I want to mention is a, a 1998 film with Will Smith, again with Will Smith, because he also was Independence Day, but it's called Enemy of the State. That that really was about like the rise of the surveillance state. But uh, I was going to say that has it, much more of a, a, a Snowden Patriot Act thing to it. I didn't know right. if it involved the towers or not. No, it didn't involve the towers, but it it it, it seems to hit on a lot of the issues that came to the forefront after 9/11. So, okay, now we're, we, I want to take us right up to that point um, of September 2001. Uh, so let's just talk about what we were doing. Um, do you remember those first two weeks of high school? In, so we were going into our senior year, and basically it is going to be a lot easier than 11th grade. 12th grade is so much easier. Uh, <laughs> and um, so uh, I, uh, I mean, I remember. I, I, I that, don't know that I, I was uh, feeling that level of relief at that point because. We didn't have a college yet. Yeah. Really. We, I, I think. Yes. Is it, is it like October is when the deadline for, for applications? I was probably uh, procrastinating writing my essays. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm sure I hadn't finished filling out the common form app or, or, or whatever. Yeah. It was first semester was still a little bit, but, but they do go easy on you. So we both had a free period at that point. Like before that you were going to class every single period of high school. And then in 12th grade, they're like, we'll let you have a free period. It's just free. And if it, it happens to be the first one in the morning, you could sleep in. You don't have to get up at, uh, for seven twenty in the morning. You could now get up for uh, eight in the morning, which makes a big difference. Um, although now I can't imagine doing either, <laughs> but, uh, you know, different, uh, different time. Um, so 
uh, I, I think, um, right. So I was um, going to be in a play or, or, or the, you know, they had the, rehear- not rehearsal, but audition for The Crucible. We were doing The Crucible that year. I ended up getting, was a Reverend Paris. So I was, uh, you know, putting people to, uh, to death in that, I guess. Um, very dark play that was chosen before 9-11. You know, so I, I believe that by, I believe that the callbacks for that, so I think what happened was, and I, I, I could be wrong, it could have been the other way around, but I think we had already done, um, the week before we had done uh, auditions, and I think the callbacks were scheduled for 9-11-2001, and I think they were canceled uh, that day, or maybe that was one of the uh, auditions. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, but it was definitely something that day that was canceled. And then it was like, wow, uh, it, it kind of felt like th- th- this whole thing, this whole play, is going to be very different now. Our whole um, production of it, um, because it just seems like things got a lot darker, a lot faster. Um, I was also planning the video that. The- <laughs> <laughs> that I put you in Dictator of Easton before we started writing it about uh, the, uh, the the town next door invading our town. Very fun. We were going to do a twenty anniversary. Was uh, was that all senior year? That was all senior year. No, I I hadn't really started writing it. I was just sketching it out when nine eleven happened. It's like, oh, okay, this is going to be very different now. Um, and yeah, I also went. I remember the day before Monday night. I went to I think Stanford for like a um, a thing on the University of Chicago, like trying to, you know, recruit. Uh, so like a, what was it, like a Q&A they would do mm. with the kids and their parents. I ended up visiting there. Um, I don't, I, no, I, I think I did apply. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was in that. I, you know, we were just starting to get homework. Uh, I was just starting audition for the play, and that th- takes me to the morning of 9-11-2001, and... I had to come in for my free period because I had like some class before that. So I didn't get to sleep in, uh, sadly. <laughs> so what was, uh, what was your first two weeks like? I, I, I don't have any crisp memories of, of exactly what was going on in, yeah. in, in the lead up to that. I, I do know that, that the morning of, uh, I, I, I think I was in, in the school library at that point. And I was probably working on a project or something. Uh, and, and, uh, the I, I did not become aware of what was going on until uh, I was walking through the halls, uh, in, not not uh, not during a, a, a changeover between classes, but but during that uh, that first period of the morning. Right, I, I didn't have to be anywhere in particular. I, I I may have in fact been heading over to the cafeteria. So you, I was in the north cafeteria, and you were heading to the north cafeteria. Very interesting. Um, all right, and that brings us to the beginning. I, why don't we, uh, take a break here? I know people are going to be like, no, I want to get into it, but no, you know, hang tight. Look, I don't know how Joe Rogan does these three hour things. This is a very heavy topic. So let's take a little bit of a break now. And, uh, when we come back next time, we'll, we'll talk about what happened that day and a little bit more research and a little bit more thoughts on it. How's that sound? Sounds good. And the answer, Joe Rogan, it's definitely performance enhancing drugs. (laughs) I'm sure. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. 
The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.